Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lion Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest, all the way from Hermitage, PA, by way of Nashville, Tennessee, in front of our first live studio audience. This badass mortgage professional businesswoman in her third full year in the mortgage industry closed 180 units, of which 80 plus percent was purchased, of which 100% was referred to her, meaning she didn't buy a lead. Her name is Sarah Cipriano, but we affectionately call her Sip. Sip, welcome <laughs> to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I'm so stoked to have you. I'm happy to be here. Okay, 180 units. We're going to jump right into this. Okay. Okay, for those that are tuned in that aren't mortgage professionals, just know that's a shit ton. And by the way, shit ton is metric, right? So it is a shit ton of loans. The average mortgage loan originator closes somewhere around 30. 30. Really? You did five times that. You did over five times that, right? You did six times that. I you did. did six times that, and you've only been in the business for less than four years. Correct. I okay. started here with Waterstone in 2017, the end of July, and I am probably one of those people who didn't know how to spell mortgage. So two G's, me. one T. You didn't know yep, that. Yep. It's two G's, one T. Right. Um, no, you told me a story like you barely knew the difference of Fannie and Freddie like just a year ago. Yeah. I, it's funny because I remember calling Jesse, my boss, and I said, this is going to be a really dumb question. And I know I've worked here for two years, but can you tell me the difference between these two? And he goes, are, are you being serious? I'm like, yeah, I really don't know. So yeah, we had to go through all of that. Yeah, your boss, Jesse, he's an amazing dude. Correct. That, that dude does like 600 units a year. Yeah, he's a great example to learn from, for yep. sure. You, you learn about all of the small loans, all of the, well, our jumbos are like, you know, 150, you know, you learn That's about That's thousand, stuff. not million. Yeah, yep. that's true. Yeah, because for, for those that don't know where Hermitage is, right. right, it's the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Correct. Right, so your branch that you work out of is technically an Ohio branch. Yes. Which is kind of odd because I don't, don't, don't know if you don't know this or not, Ohio's not even a real state. I mean, I believe it. Yeah, yep. So uh, I don't know how you're <laughs> able to, to lend with a branch that's not really affiliated with the United States of America, but that's a different subject and probably a whole different uh, episode. Yeah. But no, I wanna, <laughs> I, here's what I want to figure out. Like, how? And why? Why you and how? How did you figure out to do what so many other people haven't? Like, what was your approach? What was your training? But before we get into that, how did you get into the mortgage industry? What did you do prior to the mortgage industry? So before Waterstone and mortgages, I worked for the largest bank in the country. And I was a private client banker. So I would help people with checking accounts, savings. I did referrals for investments, referrals for mortgages. Um, and I just did that every single day and it, it got to the point where I thought, I don't know if I can do this for 30 more years, just sitting in an office, um, having people yelling at me cause they overdrew their checking account from Starbucks. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this anymore. So, um, another loan officer that works with Jesse also used to work at the bank and he came in one day, um, Nick Zajikowski and he said, shout out Nick. I know he's wonderful. And he said, you know, Sip, what's wrong with you? Like, you just seem like you're a little off. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And he said, you should go talk to Jesse, you know? And so I thought, okay, I'll go talk to Jesse, you know, fully not expecting anything. Um, but I thought first, and I've worked at this bank for 10 years. So I'm going to try to be a loan officer here first because- Was that your first professional job out of school? 
No. So I started um, right out of high school. Um, I was supposed to go to college and ended up not being able to go because of family issues. Um, and so I started with Citigroup doing personal loans. I worked for City Financial. Um, and so I worked there for five years. And then, you know, they had some different things happening higher up. And I thought, well, I should probably look for something that's a little more sturdy. And that's where I ended up at this other bank. And, um, but, but yeah, so. But, he, but you weren't happy. I think, I think that's where you were going is right. you weren't happy. But no. didn't you ask Chase to, that's where you worked, right? You yeah. worked at Chase. <laughs> and you asked Chase if you could become a loan officer. What'd they tell you? They said, well, you don't really know anything about loans. So uh, we're going to go with somebody who might, you know, know a little bit more, who can bring more to the business. And, and, you know, and my boss there was great too. And I said, listen, if I don't get this, I'm just telling you, I'm going to start looking. And he goes, I, I fully get it. You know, and so I went and I talked to Jesse for a half hour and which I don't know if you know, Jess, you know, Jesse, mm -hmm. um, for his phone to not ring for a half hour was a pretty big deal. And I caught him on a lucky day. So we just sat there and we chatted and he's like, yeah, you know, if you want to come work here, like you're hired. And I'm like, what, what drew you okay. to the mortgage business? Um, so I knew I was good at referring to both investments and mortgage, but investments, you know, it's, it's good to know about them, but when you're dealing with someone's livelihood, you know, it's, it's a little intimidating. So I thought I want to impact somebody that could be, you know, the, they, maybe they couldn't buy a house or it's, you know, it's a huge thing, a huge milestone in their life. And, um, it's kind of a one and done deal or so I thought, you know, um, and I thought I'm not going to ruin anyone's life. I'm not going to lose all their money, but I'm just going to try to make it better. So I picked mortgages instead okay. of investments. Um, mm -hmm. Any part of the income potential, was that even a, a motivating factor? Did you have an idea of the type of income opportunities this industry offered you? No, no. no. And in fact, I actually, I, I made good money at Chase. Mm -hmm. And um, I went home to my husband and I said, uh, so I kind of think I want to try to do this, but it's all commission. Like there's no salary. Um, what do you think? And he's like, well, you know, if you, if you want to do it, I support you. Like didn't even bat an eye. And I'm like, but you understand I might not get paid for a few months. And he goes, I think it'll be okay. You know, he's like, whatever you want to do, I 100, 100% support it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to sleep on it because that seemed a little too easy. Um, and, uh, I said, okay. So I slept on it. And the next day I called Jesse and I'm like, Hey, I'm in if, if you'll have me still. He goes, yep. Had there been so, other times in your life where you had to bet on yourself? Or more importantly, you're forced to bet on yourself and it, and it all turned out okay that maybe gave you the confidence to take that leap? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, if I, if I go down, it's not going to be because I didn't work hard enough. And I knew the one thing that I knew I could do is give time and I knew my work ethic. So okay. I knew that I could do that. I mean, I've, since I was 18, you know, and I think I had told you this before, I, I, my, my parents have been divorced, you know, for many, many years and I actually got kicked out. 10 days after I graduated just for, from high school. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, which is one of the reasons why I couldn't go to college. So, I mean, I worked two and three jobs just to, just to live. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. So, you know, I wasn't afraid of work. And so I figured, well, if I, everyone keeps telling me if I just work hard, it'll be fine. So I'm like, I know I can work hard. So, uh, did you go into this with any type of a mindset? Like, Hey, I have to give it six months or 12 months or 24 months. No, not so much that, but I thought to myself, you know, I need to at least close $250,000 a month in loans for me to feel okay. Okay. 
So, 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 so you would figure really, that out from a commission income standpoint, like, hey, yeah. if I'm closing $250,000, which like for someone like Gwen Swain in Idaho, that's like half a loan, right? right. But for like you and Jesse in Youngstown, Ohio, that may be like three loans. Oh yeah. I mean, our, and last year was, everybody knows it was a pretty fortunate year, but I think my average loan size was 137,000. Wow. 137,000. Mm -hmm. And what, what was your purchase refi mix? Um, 90%, nine, yeah, 90% purchase almost on the dot, 10% refi. Yeah. In a crazy refi market, you yeah. were still 90%. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I know I introed it this way, but I, I want to hear it again. And you spend how much money on leads a month? Nothing. Nothing. All no. realtor referred, friends and family, circle of influence. So I I learned, that's the one thing I did learn very quickly working here is I, it's a good mix. It's a mixed bag. So when I was maybe three months into it, I knew three realtors. One of them was by default, they were a friend and they introduced me to the other two. Um, and they kind of sent me some stuff here and there, but they didn't really trust me because they knew I didn't know how to spell mortgage. You know, that's not, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a secret. And, um, so one of them, her husband ended up getting very sick with cancer. One was away on vacation and the other one was just slow. And so I was like, what am I going to like? Nobody's sending me anything like this isn't good. Like I'm totally ruining my family's life. Like, what am I going to do? And so I started to try to think outside of the box where, you know, I had a lot of bank friends. So I'm like, okay, well, there's loans they can't do. You know, I mean, not everybody will go down to a 580 credit score. Not everybody will lend on like single wides, which in Pennsylvania, those are a thing. I know a lot of you. They are in Florida know. as well. They are so, in Florida as well. You're good. So, um, so I just started reaching out even to those people. I thought, you know, I don't specialize in home equity, so I might get some of those leads. So let me send those to you but if you have a turndown because the bank's more strict send them to me and so I started making those relationships even with other bankers in the area which you wouldn't think like loan officers can be friends but you know we're all friends and we just like pass stuff off all the so time here's what I'm hearing you say which I love and the biggest tie down or takeaway is you leaned into what you had yeah you, you had a 10-year banking relate you know, banking industry mm -hmm. where you had a relationship with other private bankers at other bank branches who also knew the loan officers that you were right. referring business to when yep. you were a private banker and you're like okay well how can i work with you versus worth it work against you right and you know this is key for anyone who doesn't work for a bank if you're a broker you work for a, a independent mortgage banker something that we can actually sell is look we're not going to go after your deposits Right. Right. Because that's a private banker's biggest concern is, well, you're going to if, if I refer you the mortgage, you're also now going to get their checking and savings. Then you're going to get their credit card. Then you're going to get right. their 529 and their IRA. And you're like, no, we don't do that. Right. No, I just do mortgages. Yeah. And I don't want the good mortgages. I want the mortgages that you guys are passing on because you're too late, late, lazy. Um, did I say it like that? No. Um, <laughs> to actually put in the work to get it done. Um, we had a guy on the show got a year ago now, but his name is Mike Williams. And Mike crushed it like you. Right, out of the gates, just on fire. Mm -hmm. And dude came from the car industry. So what he had, he didn't know how to spell mortgage. He didn't know that Fannie and Freddie were brothers and sisters and that their parents, the FHFA, like he knew none of that. But what he knew is that he had a cell phone. That cell phone had 1,000 people's names and numbers in it because mm -hmm. he sold them trucks. And he didn't just sell them trucks, he sold them Denali's. He sold them Yukon's, the nice expensive trucks. So he picked up the phone and did, did what anyone should do that is successful, driven, and entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. He called and said, Hey, if you trust me with your truck purchase, you can now trust me with your home purchase. Yeah. Right. You, 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 you couldn't lean in the way that Mike did, but Mike couldn't lean in the way that you did. I think right. the important thing to know is you guys had something to lean into and you took advantage of it. 
Yeah, and it was really for me just trying to think outside the box because anybody can call and solicit realtors, and they almost expect that. You know what I mean? Like it's just like we get solicitation calls from other banks. You just expect like if you if you're breathing and you're doing a loan, like somebody's going to call you and say, "Hey, do you want to come work for me?" What's well, the same thing with trying to get you know referrals? So it's like, well, who are the people who really don't get their door knocked on? You know, I was trying to think of outside the box because again. You know, I'm new to this, and while I knew people in the community, like they're like, well, I don't really know if you know how to do a loan. So, so you know. of your 180 units, do you know how many were referred by your bank friends versus how many were referred by realtors? I gotta be honest, I don't <coughs> pay attention to the numbers ever, and I it, I never did it chase, I never did anywhere, and I always did well because I feel like if you're just doing the fundamentals, if you're just answering your phone. If you're just being nice, if you're just doing your job, it's all going to fall into place. And and I don't know. I couldn't tell you right now how many loans I have in my pipeline. I have no idea. I just work. I don't know. What uh, I think it's awesome. Um, one one side of me is like boiling inside. I just want to grab you by the ear and pull you into the corner and we're going to have a talk. <laughs> the other side, I'm like, God, that's so endearing. Right? Yeah. That is so genuine. That is so you. Um, you don't need to tell it, but do you know your W-2? I, I, Ish? I, sort of, sort of. Wow. I, really I love it. One of those, yeah, one I of those. Hey, I'm going to be a good person. Well, I, I can't believe Jesse called you a hillbilly. He always I can't, calls me all the time. I, I can't believe Jesse called you a hillbilly. I don't see that at all. Let's, I don't see that. Maybe he said you live where the hillbillies live. I believe this. <laughs> I introduced jelly to it. Jelly. Yes. Jesse to the, um, is it a cistern? The spring properties. Jesse never heard of one of those until you know, good old Pennsylvania came along. Um, she chews. Okay. I do not what chew. A, for, for those that didn't That's catch not that, true. Sarah's, Sarah's manager, the guy who brought her into the business, uh, actually just yelled out that she chews tobacco. Um, it's it's an inside joke. Hey, a little, little rabbit hole there. Um, yeah. What do you say to your realtors? Like what, what's, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to bring this out of you. I think I know the answer, but I want everyone else to hear it. What was some of the best advice your manager ever gave you? Speaking of your manager... Yeah. What What's some of the best advice he gave you when you were getting started in, in the industry? So, I, and I think I kind of said a little bit about it, but he literally said, listen, I know that you don't know everything about loans. He goes, I don't care about that. You literally have to answer your phone. You have to be available and you don't have to know all the answers, but I can't tell you how many times I tell people, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but let me call an underwriter. I'll find out. They think I'm calling an underwriter and I'm calling Jesse like, hey, you ever heard of this situation before? And he's like, oh, yeah, you got to do this. But like, hey, really Jesse, what's that FAHA loan? I'm looking for a FAHA. He's what's like, a FICO? You, you mean no. FHA, Sarah? I'm telling you, if, if I would have told you, you wouldn't believe it. But I didn't know what any of that meant. Yeah, no, I remember when we did our prep call, you're like, yeah, when Jesse hired me, he basically said, I need you to pick up the phone every time it rings. Yeah. I need you to be nice to people, which is evident already that that just comes natural to you. Don't but me. didn't he tell you to learn to tell a joke? Yeah, well, and so or be funny, learn well, to be funny. Yeah, well, and I'm I feel like I'm a little bit funny already, but it's funny because you know he uses his Hoyer joke all the time, and I'm like I don't know who that is, but I've used that line because you know people know what that means. I don't know who Hoyer is. I don't know who I'm assuming a Brown. Brian Hoyer yeah. played football at a bunch of different uh, 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 NFL teams, but originally he was this guy named Tom Brady. It was his backup. Okay. So everyone knows who Tom Brady is, but do you really know who Tom Brady's backup is? 
Like right now, Tom Brady's going to win his second Super Bowl in Tampa Bay for for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who the guy's backup is. And yeah. I think Jesse's script to realtors was like, hey, you probably already have your Tom Brady. That's okay. Let me be your Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, um, I've used it. I don't know who that is, but I mean, it works, you know? That, that, that is fantastic. So. Yeah, that, that was your way of telling a realtor, like, look, I don't need to do, be your everything. Right. But let me bring some tools and add some tools to your tool belt that maybe you don't already have. Maybe it's single wide financing. Maybe it's down payment assistance. Maybe it's low FICO. Mm-hmm. Now, originally, they're going to get to, or eventually, they're going to get to know you. They're going right. to fall in love with you the way everyone else falls in love with you. And then it's going to be like, well, Sip, why don't you be my like everything? Well, and why don't you be my Brady? Yeah. Because that's the, that's the ultimate, right? You want to be someone's Tom Brady. Oh, for sure. But you may have to be willing to be their Brian Hoyer. Who I don't think he plays in the league anymore, but you can look him up. You can Google him. <laughs> I think he's Brian with an I. Okay. Um, how did you learn this business? Jesse. Honestly, sitting with Jesse. Okay. Jesse DiGiacomo with... closes 600 units a yeah. year and has like 50 employees. Jesse well, single-handedly taught you the business? Here's the thing about our team that's unique to anything I ever worked with. Like when you worked at you know Chase or a lot of these big companies, it's so competitive. You know, they want you to do well, but they don't want you to do well or better than them, right? But when I came to Waterstone, I mean, I sat with John Rischel. I sat with Rob Polifka, who does our disclosures. I sat with Levi DiGiacomo, who's our operations. I sat with Jesse. I sat with Frank. I literally bothered these these guys like a bill collector. I mean, like, I sat with all of them because I didn't know anything. And so I thought... I mean, I can kind of muddle through disclosures a little bit here and there, but I mean, I just didn't know. I didn't know how much money they had to put down. I didn't know that, you know, 400 was a bad score. Like, I didn't know anything. So, you know, I just wanted to try to be a sponge. And, and honestly, like our entire team, they never got annoyed with me. They're like, yeah, I used to go in. Jesse would be mid-meeting and I'd be like, can I come in here? And he'd be like, yeah. So I put a chair in his office, which is not big. And we just sat there and like, I just listened to everything. So yeah, no, I love that story. Like, like you shared that with me when we did our prep call two Mm -hmm. weeks ago. But like, when I hear you talk and I hear of anyone else who's tuning in that wants to be the next Sarah, it's like, okay, well, first do you work for a good manager? Yeah. Like, look, we all work at Waterstone Mortgage and Waterstone Mortgage is a great company, but we're not the only great company. There's a dozen other great companies out there. Sure. Right. But you have to find a great leader. You Mm -hmm. found a great leader and you trusted that that great leader also partnered with a really good company. Sure. Right. But like I would tell anyone who's looking at their own career, it's like, well, who, who do you, who's in your corner? Who has your back? Who has your six? Mm-hmm. And is that the person you want to be more like? And right. if it's not, then you probably don't work for the right person. You found a great person. But then what you did that I think so many, so many others don't do, like you were tenacious and resourceful all at the same time. Like I, I'm sure those people you were mentioning weren't calling you Say, hey, Sip, I heard you just started. Why don't you come sit with me for three hours? Let me teach you your job no. so you can go out and make a fortune. No, Mm-mm. you reach out to them mm-hmm. and you probably charm them and you're very um, nice, sweet girl next door way, right? Told them a joke he or two. Told them, told them a joke <laughs> or two, right? Grabbed your spittoon and um, sat, <laughs> and oh, sat down with them. But, but I mean... Here's what I found in this industry. People want to help people. In general, we as humans are good people. Like we allow the 10% of outliers to make the rest of us look like scumbags when really we're not. The 90% of us are good people. If you just ask, and Mm -hmm. Jesse DiGiacomo will give you some of his time, 
right? Mm -hmm. And Mike will give you some of his time and the disclosure desk will give you some of their time, but no one's going to call you up mm -hmm. and, and invite you in. You're just going to have to like knock on the door and say, Hey, do you mind if I come and do X? Sure. So I love that because it teaches me that there's no one way to learn this mm -hmm. business. You know, like I tell people, oh no, you need to do Zenix Ground School and then you need to do a greatness tracker and then you need to do the 12 week challenge and then you need to go to this class and get this coaching. And that very well could be true. But mm -hmm. I meet you and you're like, eh, maybe, yeah. but not really. You don't need to. No, I mean, I, I just never, you know, we, we try to stay just really humble. I mean, and it's, it's honest when we say small loans matter. I mean, we do things that you know, $50,000 loans. And those are the loans that people, nobody else wants to do them. Nobody wants to do them. But then once you do that and you save enough people, I mean, that's still a commission for a realtor, right? Mm -hmm. So it's still a paycheck for somebody, even though it's only $50,000. And they're like, wow, she's going to take her time and do this. And it's probably garbage, but they're still going to do this and they're going to get it done. Um, so over time, they start sending you different kind of business. You know, you still get those things, but... I mean, just to do anything. And that's the other thing. I mean, I was always willing, I feel like, to try anything, whether it was a 203K, um, you know, or anything like that. I mean, if, if somebody wanted to write a loan, I didn't care what it was. I was going to try to figure out how to do it. Is that still today or was that just early on in your career? Oh, no, I still do that today. You still today? Oh, yeah. So you don't punt anything? No. No? Good for no. you. Good for you. No. What motivates you? What motivates SIP? What keeps you going? I would say probably my family. You know, like I have a, um, I have a 15 year old son, well, he's 16 and he races cars, so races, cars, He races cars. So I, you know, that's, that's fun. expensive. Yeah. Okay. So that motivates <laughs> so, you. I mean, it's motivating, but I mean, honestly, I don't, and it's not even, you know, the money or the loans or awards or anything. It's just literally doing the right thing for people. It, it's honestly just that, like, it's not anything else. It's not. You know, I want to get an award and I want to go on a trip or I want to make this much money a year. It's just I feel like if you start focusing, at least for me, I don't want to focus on things to where I lose focus for what I should be doing, which is just the right thing for people. Yeah. But when you focus on the numbers all the time, then that becomes your focus and then you can get skewed and what the right thing to do. Is. Yeah, no, you're tugging at my heart, my heartstrings right now because it's something I'm very passionate about. Like we as loan officers, we play a pivotal role in the American society. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about this, like most financial advisors do not want to talk to anyone unless they have $100,000 in assets. Mm -hmm. Okay, well they don't teach financial literacy in high school. They don't teach it in, in college, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us didn't grow up uh, in, at dinner tables, mm -hmm. right? Where if you did sit down and you had a family that sat down and, and, and did dinner together, were you talking about budgeting? Were you talking about ROI? Were you talking about invest this, tithe this? No, those conversations weren't had. So as a loan officer, you are that person. Like you single-handedly got to impact a 180 people's lives where you were the first person to teach them about credit. You were the first person to teach them about budgeting. You're the mm -hmm. first person to mention to them about what is an IRA, what is a 401k, what is a 529, mm -hmm. right? You need to have three months reserves, six months reserves. What the hell are reserves, right? Like right. as loan officers, if we do our job right, it is about the people. So right. to hear you say that, I'm like, right. oh my gosh, you're tugging at my heartstrings because it is about the people. Look, the yeah. money is awesome, mm -hmm. right? The job sometimes is shitty. Mm -hmm. It's okay, <laughs> right? If you, can, if you can trade the shittiness for the income, right. but then keep in mind what you just said, if I do it for the people. Like you, Sarah, you are for the people. 
That is what you do. You are the people's loan officer. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he was the people's champion. You're the people's loan officer. Hey, I'll take it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're we're short on time, so we're gonna have to start wrapping this up. Okay. But when did you know that this was for you? At what point in your career? Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, yep, I'm bitten by the bug? I mean, I honestly, within, I would say a month of, and I hadn't even gotten paid yet, so that's a little bit weird, but just within even a month of, of working here and working with this team and seeing like, oh, if you have a question, you could call the CEO and it's, that's a normal thing. You know, people do that. Um, I, I knew then I'm like, okay, I found my place, you know, and I found what I like to do. And, um, ever since then, I mean, and I even still, I say to our team all the time, I'm like, I don't even know how this life happened. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened in the last three years, you know, cause I, I honestly just don't, it's just, everything's such a blessing and, you know, you have bad days, you know, and you pray on it and you're like the next day's better. Yeah. You know, you just, you just leave it all there. Good things happen to good people. I hope so. Um, what would you tell yourself four years ago? You're hopping into this industry. What advice would you have for Sarah four years ago? I would say, um, and I even have to remind myself this sometimes today, is not to assume things. So people know their credit situation. People know their money situation. They know what they can afford, what they can't. Um, and sometimes, you know, even now in my own head, I get myself psyched up, like, oh, I got to make this phone call. I got to tell them their credit score is a 550 and it's going to take six months to credit repair them. And it freaks me out because you, you know, this society, everything's instant. You know, we want everything to happen right now and we instant gratification. So I make those calls and they go totally fine and everything's fine with it. And people understand and they know, and they're just, they're happy that somebody took the time and a little bit of effort to even help them. So, and it's for, you know, if an appraisal comes back bad or, you know, if anything like that, I mean, I guess I would tell myself not to assume how a conversation is going to go and just have a conversation because the realtors know if the window's cracked and it needs repaired, they're just hoping somebody doesn't see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very so true. It's that, that would be the one thing that I would say is to try not to assume what's going to happen. Don't outplay conversations before they happen. Just have the conversation and be in the moment, you know? What do you wish was taught to you in high school that now as a business professional who's uber successful and experienced, Looking back at your, yourself 17 years ago, or when you're 17 years old or 18 and your mom's getting ready to toss you out of the house, what is something you wish you knew earlier on? Um, not to be afraid to take a chance to change your outcome because, you know, everybody's obviously dealt a different hand, but if you're not happy doing something, change it. And it's totally okay to change it. And sometimes you have to go out on a limb, but you just kind of know in your gut, like if it's going to be good or not, like don't wait 10 years. If you don't like something, change it. I know? love that. Our COO, Rich Tucker, I don't know if you know this, but in his office, he has one of my favorite quotes ever, which is nothing changes if nothing changes. That's it. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Thank Congratulations you. on all of your success. Thank you. She's Sarah Cipriano. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today, but we'll catch you on the next episode of the Lone Officer Podcast. Peace. Thank you.